You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello again, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show comes to you on Friday, October 9th, as your New York Giants get ready to face the Dallas Cowboys in their first NFC East game of the 2020 season. Obviously, the uh, the Giants at 0-4 Cowboys at one and three. Things have not gone well, or at least the way that uh, that these teams, that either of these teams, hoped they would through the first quarter of the 2020 NFL season. A little bit later, we'll be talking with R.J. Ochoa of SB Nation's Cowboys website, blogging the boys and previewing Sunday's game. Talking a little bit about both teams, a little bit about Jason Garrett as he returns to uh, to Dallas for the first time after 10 years there as head coach. Right now, though, I want to take a little bit of time just to, uh, to talk about the Giants at the quarter pole of the 2020 season, about some of what's gone on, some of the, the narrative, some of the things that, that we're hearing in the fan base, and, and just uh, express you know some of my views, some of my feelings on... Uh, on the state of the Giants as we head into uh, the second quarter of the season. Obviously, the big topic of discussion these days right now is Daniel Jones and his his sort of lackluster play through the first four games. Jones has not been as good this season so far as he was as a rookie last year, especially as he was early in his rookie season in 2019. There are fans out there who are pretty much ready to write Daniel Jones off, who are hoping the Giants go 0-16, hoping they get a shot at Trevor Lawrence and and uh, take a new quarterback and move on. And, you know, I wrote this at Big Blue View earlier in the week. Mark Schofield talked about this on the site as well. It's just not time yet to write off Daniel Jones, to say he's not going to be a... Uh, you know, a franchise quarterback to say he can't be the long-term answer. You know, you want more progress. You want these turnovers to to go down. But you have also have to look at the fact that he has only started 16 NFL games. He isn't playing with a dynamic offense at this point. He's playing without Saquon Barkley. He's playing without Sterling Shepard. He's playing with an offensive line that hasn't found its footing yet. He's in a new system without having had an offseason. At this point, you know, there are 12 games left in the 
in the 2020 NFL season. I'm on record, you know, on a podcast earlier this week as having said, look, if the Giants go 0-16 and they have the number one overall pick and they have a shot at drafting Trevor Lawrence, then you probably have to do that because in reality, if they go 0-16, these turnovers and, and the erratic play from Jones continues, then he's shown you that he's not the answer. But... We are not close to that yet. We are not there. In no by no in in no way am I out on Daniel Jones at this point. I still believe that he has time to show the Giants the kind of play that we saw early in his time a year ago. That he has time to show the Giants that he can improve, that that he can be their franchise quarterback of the future. And and to be honest. I hope that he does because I I believe that the fastest path for the Giants to get back to respectability, to rebuild, to continue rebuilding this roster is not to have to replace Daniel Jones, but to be able to take an early draft pick and either find a big-time game-changing playmaker on offense or defense which they could desperately use at wide receiver or pretty much anywhere on the defense because although they've got good players on defense, they don't necessarily have you know one true game-changing player. Either, either that or take an early draft pick and package it, move down in the draft, and, and pick up a number of draft picks and try to build that way. I would hope that Jones will show the Giants enough over the next 12 games, you know, for them to be able to move in that direction rather than having to, uh, having to start over again, you know, with another, you know, using another first round pick on a quarterback and and starting again. Uh, You know, the other topic that plays into that is so much discussion about Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator, his return to Dallas this week and again, you know, as I wrote at Big Blue View on Friday morning, I think that, uh, you know, I, I have some issues with some of the things that Garrett has done. I look at uh, some of the dink and dunk tendencies of this offense. Daniel Jones, you know, throwing for, you know, fewer yards per attempt than he did a year ago. Guys like Golden Tate and Evan Ingram having their lowest, you know, yards per catch, yards per target of their NFL careers to date. And I wonder, you know, we we talk about explosive plays, and I wonder how the Giants are going to get them when when their offense is based so much on quick throws, quick game, underneath stuff, catch and run kind of stuff. And I wonder if, you know, I wonder when the the downfield shots, the more vertical shots are going to come and perhaps a lot of that is tied into struggles of the offensive line struggles of the running game being in long yardage situations things like that but uh, but the Giants simply even without Saquon Barkley even without Sterling Shepard they have to find some ways to create some explosive plays again I'm not out on Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator at this point but I do believe that there's work to be done. There's adjustments that need to be made. Hopefully, as Jones plays better or if he plays better, hopefully this offensive line 
you know, begins to come together. Andrew Thomas finds his footing. Nick Gates finds his footing. You know, Will Hernandez plays a little bit more consistently. Hopefully, you know, some things will open up for this Giants offense and they'll play a little bit better football over the next 12 games. Um, You know, the other topic to talk about would be the defense where we saw a really good performance last week against the Rams. I said earlier, there isn't one true difference maker on this defense. And yet you have to feel optimistic with the way that they played. There are pieces. There are some good players. There's a strong defensive front line. James Bradbury's a good player. Blake Martinez is a good player. There's some young developing pieces there like Tay Crowder. So you, you have you have to feel good about the direction that the defense is going in. Obviously, you'd like to see the Giants win some games here. There are 12 games left. You know, obviously no one wants to go 0-16 unless you're just convinced that everything is useless and you have to draft Trevor Lawrence. But I firmly believe that the Giants have uh, five of their next six games against the NFC East teams. Firmly believe that the Giants can and will win a couple of those games. Still looking at the whole season as, you know, Judge talks about weekly improvement. He talks about it doesn't matter where you are. It's about where you're going. And I continue to go back to, you know, John Mara saying that he wants to feel good about the direction of this team. He wants to feel like like they're laying the foundation for something that can eventually be a championship contending type team. You know, once we get to the end of this season, and I... Despite the 0-4 record, I'm not saying that, that by the end of the season the Giants will be a championship contending team. You know, I, What I'm saying is that it's not time to write this season off. It's not time to draw conclusions. It is still, there is still plenty of time for the Giants to show John Mara that yes, they are pointed in the right direction that yes, there is a brighter future, that yes, there are better days ahead. I just remember, you know, the Miami Dolphins went 0-7 at the beginning of last season before winning five of their last nine games. So we'll see what happens here with the New York Giants, but uh, I'm just not willing to, to draw any conclusions about Jones, about Garrett, about Dave Gettleman, about the the state of the offense, about Joe Judge, when we're only a quarter of the way into the season, obviously we need to see some better things from you know from several people from 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 Jones, from Garrett, from you know from a lot of people, as I said. But it's just not time to uh, to write everybody off and, and think that we have all of the answers as to uh, as to how things are going to unfold. All right, Giants fans, let's do this. Let's take a quick break for a word from our SB Nation sponsors. When I come back, I'll play for you an interview that I did with RJ Ochoa of SB Nation's Blogging the Boys. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay, Giants fans, I am joined now by RJ Ochoa of SB Nation's Dallas Cowboys website, Blogging the Boys, as we uh, look forward to Sunday and, and try to break that game down a little bit. RJ, how you doing? I'm doing well, Ed. It's always great to be with you. Uh, happy to talk to you about anything in life. Uh, if you've taken up any new hobbies, of course. Uh, but if you want, we could talk about Cowboys Giants and and the the well, ever efficient Jason Garrett. Well, well, before we get to that, I mean, the NFC East. I mean, my God. Oh. <laughs> uh, it is um, it is bad. And all all, all, all we need to know. All we need to know is the Giants play five out of their next six games in the NFC East, and wow. they haven't won a game. They haven't they haven't won a game yet, and they they could easily come out of that stretch leading the division. That is uh, unreal. That's a really um, there are a lot of things about twenty twenty that are very weird, obviously, but that is an unreal scheduling quirk. Why would why would they just dump all of the NFC East because the only other one is week 17. Um, wow, that's a really unfortunate or fortunate, however you want to look at it, situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, the NFC East is the punching bag for the entire NFL. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it is such a, a historic division and, you know, four major markets and games that are always on primetime television. But yeah, it's it's been bad. It's embarrassing. Um, and uh, I think seven wins might do it. And and one more one more thing before we before we get to Jason Garrett. How thankful are you <laughs> for the embarrassment that is the Atlanta Falcons? Um, well, I'm always grateful for the Falcons, to be clear. But um, the, I, I'm also grateful for crazy games and, and wild memories. And so that will always be a fun one for me. Uh, but yeah, Atlanta, see people, people love to say, you know, now, if not for the watermelon kick, the Cowboys would be 0 and 4, but if Julio Jones doesn't drop the easiest touchdown of his life that Russell Gage threw him, not Matt Ryan, that whole sequence never happened. So yeah, I am, uh, I'm very grateful for Dan Quinn finding a way to head down to Texas and, and botch it once again. Yeah, that is what the Falcons do best, <laughs> but, uh, but Hey, um, you obviously want to get into it. We obviously need to get into it. This is the 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 return of Jason Garrett to uh, to Dallas, and 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 I I know that that all of you Dallas fans and the the, the handful that are going to be in A and AT and T Stadium are going to just greet him warmly and happily and with great amounts of love. I feel badly for Jason Garrett. Um, 
for how his tenure ended, I don't think anybody deserved the end that he got, especially after a decade's worth of service. More than that in terms of his entire career. But I also feel bad for him that, I mean, his his return was always going to be met with jokes and memes and punchlines. However, the fact that it is happening in such a volatile moment for Cowboys fans is really only going to add to the distress, which, again, is unfortunate that he'll be on the receiving end of. But, you know, the Cowboys have uh, kind of made a habit of when people return. When Tony Romo broadcasted his first game or Jason Witten did that one season, they had these sort of like five, six long minute videos that they played on the Jumbotron at AT&T Stadium, kind of their best moments. And I've been wondering whether they're going to do that for Jason Garrett or not, because he kind of fits the the qualifications but if he did it would be um it, it would be some of the loudest boos ever i think in the stadium even with a fraction of the crowd that it's normally used to having yeah well what's what's interesting is i think that uh if there were fans allowed in metlife stadium these days i think that uh that they would that, that those Giants fans would be booing Jason Garrett right now as well. I mean, the Giants do average a league worst 11.75 points per game, which is, which is like, I think four, almost four points or so less than the jets for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I've been obviously studying the Giants up a bit more this season. And I know the loss of Saquon Barkley, obviously is a difficult one to overcome. And Jason Garrett, for what it's worth has, has not performed well generally when he's lost kind of the main cog of his offense. Um, but I believe the Giants only have three touchdowns this season. Um, and not to be a bit of a spoiler, but I think they match that on Sunday against the Cowboys because the Cowboys defense is that bad. Oh, uh, I certainly hope so. But you know, the thing that has that has mystified me now, now let's be honest. I mean, you know, we do the five questions back and forth and I did that this week with Dave Halperin and, you know, he obviously asked me about Jason Garrett and the Giants offense. And the difficulty for me is, okay, there's no Barkley. There's no Sterling Shepard. You have a second-year quarterback who's still figuring things out. You have an offensive line that I think everybody needed to be realistic about with a rookie left tackle, with a a new starter at center who's never played the position before. There was going to be a transition. It was never going to be perfect from the beginning. You know, that being said, you, like I said, you don't have Barkley, you don't have Shepard. So you're not, so there's not a lot of, there's, the weapons that you thought you were going to have just aren't there. That being said, the and the blocking hasn't been good. The run game blocking has just been atrocious. The one thing that has surprised me is that this has turned into a, a dink and golden Tate and Evan Ingram are both averaging right around four yards less per catch than they have throughout their careers. You know, Giants keep talking about explosive plays, but they're not throwing the ball down the field. And, and I guess the question that I wanted to ask you is, from Jason Garrett, does news like that, that the that the ball's not going vertically, that the shots aren't really being taken, does that surprise you? I know that Giants fans are probably upset because the team is 0-4, and I, I truly don't want to pile on or, or have this sound 
like it's in jest or anything like that. I, I, I think, you know, this is just my honest opinion. I'm not surprised by that. Um, you know, I think it was week one when the Cowboys, or excuse me, the Giants played on Monday Night Football against the Steelers. Uh, when when the Giants went play action and threw a 40-yard bomb, I think it was Darius Slayton that caught that touchdown from Daniel Jones. And that that was, I mean, that was the, the rarest thing I've ever seen from a Jason Garrett offense, to go play action. I think it was even on first down. Uh, so to go play action on first down and to just heave it downfield, uh, that has has been something that's been incredibly absent from his offenses. And um, I think a lot of people point to the Cowboys offense last year. And I think that Jason Garrett deserves credit for that. But um, a lot of people have assigned more of that credit to Kellen Moore, who's, who's still the Cowboys offensive coordinator. But Jason Garrett's offense is... I mean, he's he's a product of the 1990s Cowboys. I mean, and, you know, he believes in running the football and establishing the run and dominating the line of scrimmage and dominating time of possession. And those are, are principles that are far and few in between in our current NFL landscape. And so um, I, I'm not surprised to see him kind of carrying them over with a new offense in the New York Giants. Yeah, I just wonder how much of it is related to the fact that the Giants – you know, that they're still struggling to put together an offensive line. And, you know, I mean, I, I think we expected you know, more of more verticality from, from Garrett. So, I mean, it sounds to me like, like you're saying that maybe our expectations weren't, uh, weren't in line with, with what we were actually going to get. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, to be clear, Jason Garrett's first year as the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys um, was the year the Giants won Super Bowl 42. Was it was 2007 uh, when they beat the Cowboys in the divisional round, and and that offense looked great. And and at the time, you know, he was regarded as this, you know, this way that kind of Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and all those young guys are regarded now. Um, but I mean, he just he refused to adapt. And, you know, a lot was made about the Cowboys drafting Zach Martin in 2014 over Johnny Manziel. And that really kind of cemented who they are and their disposition or who they were rather under Jason Garrett. Zach Martin, uh, his drafting lined up with DeMarco Murray's breakout season in 2014. And obviously the Cowboys won 12 games and, and almost made it to the NFC championship game. And then they drafted Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, they, they have a, a fundamental belief in, in running the ball. And, um, you know, as an example uh, of, of where Cowboys fans were pleased because they're not anymore, uh, obviously, with a one and three record. But when the Cowboys went to Seattle at a couple of weeks ago, Mike McCarthy was asked, you know, Russell Wilson is obviously playing very well. You know, do you want to slow him down? Do you want to keep him off the field? Because a lot of people believe, OK, t- our, our best defense against Russell Wilson is is keeping him off the field and just having long eight to nine minute drives. And Mike McCarthy said, no, I don't want to do that. I, I want to score as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Uh, and we'll just kind of go shot for shot with him. And they did and they lost but I think a lot of people prefer that method here in 2020 whereas Jason Garrett definitely leans the opposite direction uh, so maybe we're just not getting you know what what we thought we were going to get from from uh, Jason Garrett so I'm just curious though as, you know you kind of indicated the uh, talked a little bit earlier about the Cowboys defense is that Dallas defense really that bad you know it's it's certainly not lacking 
resources. Um, you know, there are there are second round picks all over that defense. Demarcus Lawrence was a second round pick. Jalen Smith was a second round pick. Chidibe Awuze, who's on injured reserve at the moment, was a second round pick. Demarcus Lawrence got a second contract with the Cowboys. So did Jalen Smith. And um, those people, those sort of prime uh, cornerstones, if you want to call them that, are really not delivering. And so. Uh, the, the the word or, or the idea associated with the Cowboys right now isn't just that they're bad, because I think it's one thing to, to be bad, right? And, and different teams are bad, like the New York Jets are bad. But, you know, the Cowboys appear, you know, Demarcus Lawrence used the word soft, and, and that's a, a heavy word in the NFL and in sports in general. Um, he, he called the defensive effort they gave against the Browns soft. I mean, they gave up 307 yards on the ground. Um, and, you know, after that, he kind of retracted his words on Instagram and, and called out people that are criticizing the Cowboys. And I think that that's, that's the perception of them, is that they can't handle criticism. They can't handle getting punched in the mouth, however you want to put it. And maybe you think that makes them soft. But, um, you know, as another example, Xavier Woods, the Cowboys safety uh met with the media on Wednesday and talked about how you can't give a hundred percent of effort on every play. And I think he was just speaking at least the way I took it from like a biological perspective, right? Like you, you literally cannot just, you know, run your brains out every moment of every second of every football game because it's not humanly possible. Uh, but people took that quote, um, especially the transcription of it as him saying, yeah, you know, we, we don't give 100% of effort all the time. And that's the perception. That's the perception is that this this defense is entitled. You know, obviously they play for the Cowboys, and there's a, a lot of branding that goes with that, 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 that these players like Demarcus Lawrence and Jalen Smith got their second contracts with the team and, and stopped caring, stopped putting forth the same level of efforts because they got what they wanted out of it, and now they're just down to kind of chill and, and get run all over by whoever the team may be. Oh, just, just as an FYI, on the uh... – uh, on the Look Ahead podcast that uh, that I do with uh, Rob Stats Guerrero, the SB Nation NFL show, on the yeah. SB Nation NFL show, yeah, we uh, we we took a little poke at Xavier Woods for for that for that comment too. I I do want to say that I understood his point um, in, in saying again the, the literalness of it. However, as you know, Ed, from your uh, your time in this world, sometimes what you say uh, is, is going to be taken a different way. Sometimes your full context isn't clear. Sometimes the transcription um, gets interpreted differently. And more than that, beyond all of that, you, you have to be able to sense the moment and read the room. And that particular quote in this moment where Cowboys fans are at is not settling well because it does appear as if they are, you know, they are soft and they don't have high expectations and don't hold themselves to a higher standard. So here's a good one for you. After all of the the Jason Garrett, you know, the Jason Garrett talk and the 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 giddiness in Cowboy Nation that that uh, that Garrett was gone <laughs> and that that a Super Bowl winning head coach in Mike McCarthy was was coming in. Has the Mike McCarthy honeymoon already ended? I think it. It's gone back and forth. Like there was, um, you know, say the honeymoon was at some tropical resort, right? Uh, there were there was definitely a moment where 
uh, Cowboys fans left the room, right, you know, and, and went down to the pool and down to the spa to kind of calm down. Because, you know, as as you are likely aware and anyone's listening is likely aware, Mike McCarthy advertised himself as uh, as this analytically woke dude, right? This guy who went to Pro Football Focus's headquarters over the offseason and and built a, a, an NFL front office and coaching staff in his barn in Green Bay. And I think that there are signs of that. And, and I, you know, when I listen to Mike McCarthy, I, I can truly sense that he is is trying to be different than he was in Green Bay. Obviously, there was the falling out with Aaron Rodgers. And and the fact that they're having so much success doesn't help the perspe- the perception of Mike McCarthy in Dallas. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the honeymoon's over. You know, I... And not that the Green Bay Packers are a small NFL team by any measure, uh, but obviously Green Bay isn't the same market as Dallas. And, you know, this week, Troy Aikman's on the radio blasting the Cowboys. Daryl Johnston's on the radio blasting the Cowboys. You know, it, it is a different world. And so uh, I say that with all due respect, of course, to the Packers. But um, I, I think that Mike McCarthy is starting to realize how different things are. He came in, he made a lot of changes, and uh, he was very protective of what the team was doing in training camp and things like that and when you do all those things you know when when you're I think a good example is Tom Coughlin when you make everybody show up five minutes early and and act that way and you win Super Bowls it's cool and and nobody has a problem with it but when you're not performing well those little things that that seem silly and whatever um, they start to pick at people and start to be bothersome and and that's the line that Mike McCarthy's regime is flirting with right now all right so When it comes to this game on Sunday, let's just end with this, RJ. I mean, I have I have gone back and forth and back and forth on picking this game. And part of that is I know Dallas is at home. I know they're a nine and a half or ten point favorite, which I think is is a huge spread in this game. And if I was betting the game, I would at least take the Giants with the points. Agreed. But. You know, I. First, I picked the Cowboys, and then I picked the Giants, and now I'm like, I, I'm still going back and forth on, on, you know, we we do our our staff picks each week, and I'm like, should I change the pick again before I publish it? And and right now, I couldn't even tell you which pick which pick is going to show up when I actually publish our picks later on today. Um, but how do you see this game unfolding? I do not think the Giants are going 0-16. I think they're going to win some of these NFC East games coming up. Um, I think they're going to get better as the season goes along, and I think there's a game or two along the way that they're going to win that that people don't where, where people don't think they really they should or they really have a chance to win. So, just how do you see this game on Sunday? I'll say I'm I'm most intrigued about this game and the Mike McCarthy regime, although that's kind of true every week, right? Like I'm more interested to see kind of who he is and and how the team plays and whatnot. And I think, I think I might've told you this after the Cowboys hired Jason Garrett, something that, you know, people make a lot of jokes. Um, Ed, are you still there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here we go. You're still recording, right? Yep. All right, here we go. Um, people make a lot of jokes about Jason Garrett's time with the Cowboys. And every time I say this, it's, it's typically met with kind of a scoff, but, um, up until the very end, and, and it was right about Thanksgiving last year, but before that, 
whenever the going got tough, so to speak, with the Cowboys, Jason Garrett's teams found a way to dig in and win. They, they never collapsed. They never just imploded. I mean, that's, you know, the Cowboys never went like two and 14 or anything like that under Jason Garrett. And so that's kind of where this team is at now. Uh, the, the moment of Jason Garrett where they would respond and kind of play well for him because he truly was beloved and respected in that locker room. And so think, think this has been a long week for the Cowboys and it continues to be. And so I do think that they will face adversity in this game from the perspective of, you know, going down seven, nothing in an NFL game is hardly the highest level of adversity you can face, but going down seven to nothing against Jason Garrett in your building is a different level of adversity. And so the Cowboys offense has turned the ball over early on in games and the defense has not done a great job of protecting them in those moments. And so I think this game starts that way. I think that the Cowboys turned the ball over Jason Garrett's offense capitalizes the, the CBS broadcast pans over to him with his mask on. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of a uh, lot of wondering what's happening. Tony Romo's on the call for this game, which makes it all the more intriguing. He maybe offers up some some diagnosis on, on the particular touchdown play and how it came to be. Um, and, and I think that Dak Prescott will. I mentioned earlier, I think the Giants match their touchdown output of the season in this game alone. Um, and, and I think that I think the Cowboys fans are more upset next week than they are this week, despite the fact that I think the Cowboys win, because allowing, you know, 27 to 31 to whatever points from the Giants, even in a win, would be a little bit more upsetting just from the perspective that we the, the, however small the data size is, it looks like the Giants offense is floundering right and so to give that life would really kind of, I think, shake Cowboys fans at their core. And I think that that's what happens, even though their team wins. All right. So we will be uh, we'll be tuning in Sunday and always enjoy talking to you, RJ. Why don't you uh, fill the folks in on the uh, on the, the SB Nation NFL show that you're a part of? That's right. Uh, well, every Thursday, of course, you can find me listening to The Look Ahead with my pals Ed and, and Stats Guerrero. But uh, I'm on Mondays with Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride and Michael Kist from Bleeding Green Nation, our, our fellow NFC East cohort. Um, and we recap all of the Sunday action. So we roll through the, the biggest moments from the day before. Uh, we do a little bit of a Monday Night Football preview, obviously, uh, with, with the game coming up and um as it is the first show of the week on the feed, we cover any big news that's happening. Obviously, this past Monday included Cam Newton's positive tests and whatnot. And so um, you can check me out there. I certainly encourage everybody to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, you can also catch me, obviously, on the blog and the boys shows that we do and, and occasionally here on Big Blue View. And uh, last the first NFC East game of the season for the Cowboys, and I, I look forward to these chats every year. Uh, I know it's been a, a challenging year, certainly in in many respects, but this this felt normal, uh, and so um, I'm, I'm grateful for that and grateful for your friendship, and I hope we have a fun game on Sunday afternoon. Well, thank you for that, and uh, and folks, if you uh, if you stop over to blogging the boys, be nice, behave yourselves, you know, <laughs> re re represent represent Big Blue View well, please. <laughs> All right. All right, RJ, thanks, and uh, we'll talk to you again uh, in a few weeks. Thanks, Ed. All right, that's our show for today. We thank RJ Ochoa for spending some time with us. We thank you, as always, for listening. Please take care, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.